0: You know, that's what I'm saying. That's why you teach. You know, kids always talk about, I mean, people always talk about how teaching is difficult, but it's a lot better than being in a meeting.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the podcast. Uh, This is Quarantine Teaching with Mark and Dan. I'm Dan. Mark, how are you today?
0: I am doing fine, Dan, but it's been a really long time since we had any kind of podcast. Uh, So I just can assume that the millions of fans out there uh, are a little bit upset, maybe angry at us for not having uh, done this more recently. But um, no, it's nice to be, it's nice to be back talking to you.
1: Well, I will say one of my favorite moments from the last week was uh, my better half, Molly, turned to me and said, I got this text from our number one fan. I won't reveal who that is, but our number one fan, and it said it had a listing of Her top podcast for 2020, it's like Apple does this thing and it says like, here were your top podcasts. And guess which one was number one?
0: Uh, Well, I can't, I mean, I'm not going to guess ours because that would be really, really?
1: It was, it was ours. Uh, Ours was number one on like, you listen to this one the most or something.
0: Well, this individual probably has to explore some more podcasts then.
1: No, I think we got to have this individual on, uh, I think in in an upcoming episode because Mm, I think that would just be top notch to, to find out, first of all, how they maintain the stamina to listen to us consistently week after week when our own
0: family and parents and loved ones won't. Yeah. Well, you could imagine uh, if, you know, a, a big fan of ours actually had the opportunity to be on the show. They would just be so excited. It would
1: just be uh, explosions of joy throughout the whole show.
0: It'd be a peak experience.
1: Peak yeah. <laughs> Peak life experience, which we all could use right now. Uh, and today, that kind of segues into our topic today of peak life experiences or just life experiences that we're currently going through during a pandemic, during quarantine teaching. Uh, so, today, we're going to talk a little bit about maintaining mental health for online teaching during online teaching. Now, we do need to get out in front of this thing. We are not counselors, we are not mental health professionals. We, in fact, probably are the people you might not even want their opinion on proper mental health. But we just thought this would be a good topic for talking about um, our own perceptions, about how we're kind of keeping going, I think keeping a positive attitude, keeping uh, feeling okay, feeling like we can make it through this whole thing. So that's kind of our focus on mental health, if that suits you, Mark.
0: You see, mental health is very idiosyncratic, right? Everybody has a different approach to how things are... You know, how to maintain your own sense of stability. So, you know, our experiences and even our life situation is probably different than many, more, I should say most teachers. So, yeah, I mean, this goes unsaid, right? But probably what the things we're going to talk about may not even be possible with some teachers, just given kind of their current life situation. Just absolutely. To up front.
1: Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And I think it's important that we just clarify that for our millions of listeners, Mm -hmm. as always. We're gonna be looking to us for mental health knowledge. So, you know, as much as we can though, we will just kind of, I think, talk through, as Mark's saying, our own uh, experiences and what helps us out. So, Mark, not to put you on the spot, but what is one way in which you are facilitating effective mental wellness, mental health in your own actions of online teaching right now?
0: Yeah, that is an excellent question. And of course, again, I'm not an expert on this by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I just want to say up front that uh, um, I think maintaining your mental health in a profession like online teaching or any, any occupation right now where you're staring at a computer for so long, um, this deep into quarantine teaching, this deep into the situation, I think, is getting more and more difficult, right? If, if someone would have said last summer that, um, this was still gonna be going on in December or January or something like that, I would have been a little bit skeptical. I would have assumed there would have been something different on this. Uh, So um, yeah, okay, so I I just had to say that, right? That this is is surprising. So I I don't think I did a great job this year of maintaining my mental health because I didn't do any long-term planning on how I'm going to be doing three, four, five months into this whole thing. And that kind of speaks to, I think, the first thing that helps me to maintain my mental health in this whole situation, that is, don't think too far ahead. Um, I, I've, I've been really surviving in this quarantine teaching thing by just maybe thinking two or three days ahead. Uh, it, I, I would be emotionally overwhelmed had I actually been thinking that I was gonna be doing the same thing, sitting in the same chair, staring at the same computer and the same little boxes of kids for months on end. It's just easier to kind of digest it in small bites. So that's been one of the things that I've, I've been doing. It's just kind of maintaining a very uh, low, I mean, uh, I would say a, a minimum horizon. Uh, the horizon lines are kind of very close to my eyesight, not looking too far ahead, just because it can be overwhelming, I think, if you look too far out um, and think ahead about, you know, do we have several more months of this? So really just kind of trying to survive day by day, just kind of thinking about what I'm gonna do tomorrow, thinking about what the lesson's gonna be, thinking about the ways that I can kind of be um, engaging and somehow uplifting to the students I'm gonna see the next day, uh, that helps me. And I don't even know if I do that very effectively and even if that makes sense to other individuals, but just maintaining a very limited space, try not to see things too broadly. Um, again, because the time, I don't know if you experience this, Dan, but, we're not only just teaching in quarantine, but you know uh, our little locale right now has, at least for the last couple of weeks, has been kind of in a more extreme lockdown and for good reason. Um, and that's just difficult to take for long periods of time. It just is, no matter how good your life is, it's just so incredibly unusual. So it's just easier just to take it day by day.
1: That's coincidental, because that was literally the one thing I thought of initially. And so it's probably a common feeling by many teachers out there is just literally one day at a time and making sure you engage things one day at a time, one lesson at a time, one class at a time. Because as you're saying, the more you look to the future, I think the more challenging some of those topics become where you're really thinking like am I going to be able to maintain x y or z throughout this whole stretch I mean we're looking at December 10th as we record this today and like you're saying not to be redundant in that point but man September felt like a long time ago and I think the best way to approach that is just you know step by step day by day one Lesson at a time. And as we kind of schedule at our school, at least one week at a time really is what we're kind of looking at. Obviously, we have the larger overall curricular goals, class goals, all that kind of stuff, but really we're looking at what's going on um, this week, what's going on therefore this day. Uh, But um, one thing that you brought up that I, I would like to elaborate on, and I think that's helped me in this is um i get excited it's my personality certainly and it's it's what drives me with teaching i get excited by novelty and i've felt like the times where i can maintain the most is when as we talk about day by day <clears throat> day by day for me can't be redundancy if it feels like it's just the exact same thing every day that's not going to be good for me and i'm going to get really frustrated i'm going to be annoyed i'm going to get de- you know, depressed to some extent. I don't. I want to use that fairly um, lightly there, but you know, I'm just going to end up getting not happy with the work. Um, so what I need is novelty, and so sometimes I hope that doesn't come at the expense of the students. Wherein I say, hey, we're going to try this new approach to this lesson or this new approach to this idea. But sometimes I just need it in order to get me kind of interested, and I hope by extension, the students are like, oh, this is interesting, this is new, this is novel, this is breaking up that monotony of day by day if you're just doing the exact same thing again and again. It's, it's that feeling of newness, that feeling of exploration and creativity that helps me to uh, keep pushing forward and keep trying to exist and deliver content as well as I can during this whole climate.
0: Now, does that mean trying to do different kinds of lessons using new technology? What does that exactly mean? I think um, definitely trying
1: different types of lessons, trying different things during lessons. The other day, I tried to just start with a video rather than even like being like, welcome. Here's the context for the class. Here's what we're going. I just kind of like launched into a video to hopefully make students kind of be like, what's going on right now? We're just watching a video hopefully not too disorientingly, but as far as like it's a newness to them and they might kind of perk up a little be like, oh, this is interesting, this is a new way to start it. And then that basically like launched right into what we were doing versus most days I would get on and say, okay, here's the homework, here's the context, here's what we're doing today, here's the plan, just to switch it up and make it feel a little bit different. I have stepped away from throwing a whole bunch of new technologies at students because I think that can get overwhelming and I don't wanna sacrifice you know, uh, function for just novelty. I, th- I think that it becomes dangerous if you're just tossing out technologies because it's like, this is fun, it's different. You're missing maybe the purpose of the lesson and kind of what you're trying to do. But as far as switching up how a lesson goes or how a class goes or how breakout rooms go, that kind of novelty where it's just making things not always the exact same every single time.
0: So how do you balance that? Because I have always heard or read, and I'm just going to speak very generally here, that... In times like this, having a routine, kind of some predictability, kind of creates a sense of rhythm to life and that that's kind of allows you to get through day by day. Um, and one of the things I've tried to do in my classroom is to have that kind of routine predictability the kids know exactly what to expect because to a certain extent that's comforting amidst kind of the, the little bit of unknown and the chaos of life. Um, how do you balance those two? Because obviously you, you, you believe in some degree of predictability with, with your students and establishing a sense of routine. Oh, yeah. yeah. And even it, in.
1: Well, and it's a good point, right? And it's maybe more philosophical, but I think on this point, right? It's that idea that you should be predictable in the structure, but you should have novelty in the elements that create the structure, right? So similar if you want to draw an analogy to you know a relationship that you have, you want that structure to be predictable, right? You're not suddenly saying, like, I'm leaving and you're not, you know, coming with me or something that would throw the whole thing off but you want to have that enjoyment that novelty in the day-to-day the things that are could be switched up without significant consequence without detrimental consequence so for instance in a class i'm not going to suddenly be like we're not meeting this week and instead you're going to like i don't know just do something very different you know we're still going to meet at the times we're going to meet you're still going to see me you're still going to have opportunities to ask me questions but maybe how we do things during the class needs to just change a little bit we need to try new things we need to um you know uh have a student lead something a student lead an activity instead of me leading an activity we need to have students in breakout rooms for uh, you know most of that week so that they just hear each other and can communicate and connect with each other rather than just hearing me deliver those kind of things so the macro structure is consistent but the micro details have some novelty within them
0: good so there we go so there's just so in case our listeners aren't taking notes we have two things there right there's the idea of maybe having a limited horizon, not thinking too far ahead, kind of taking things day by day, or at least the uh, days and kind of shorter chunks. And then the idea of, of using class time and curriculum and what you do to create a certain sense of novelty. That's something that both engages your mind and I imagine it also kind of engages your students as well. So that's gotta be some satisfying to some degree. So I'm going to push this onto you, though, your second one. And what's the second one, second way that you kind of maintain your mental health in the midst of all this? And it obviously doesn't have to be tied specifically to, you know, your curriculum or your teaching, but it's, you know, as a teacher.
1: Yeah, you got to have a sense of humor about this. Like, that's how I have to look at all of this, because if I start dwelling on the realities of this, and I think starting, and I think this is where teachers get into trouble, starting to be too hard on myself because I feel like I'm not doing a good job, this can spiral pretty quickly. And so I have to have a good sense of humor about things. you know. And, and you and I, I think, do this fairly naturally. So I think it's maybe unfair for us to preach on it to some extent, right? But I think it's that sense of humility and sense of humor where like, if something goes wrong, I'm not gonna dwell on that for more than like a minute, I'm gonna be like, whoops. Of course, if it's something extreme, I, I need to probably report that to the authorities. But, but if it's something little, like if it, if it didn't go well, if it wasn't a good lesson, if I frankly didn't have a good like plan before, you know, I came into the lesson with a bad attitude or something, I'm gonna forgive myself pretty quickly. I'm gonna have a good sense of humor and say, you know what, I'm rolling with it. And I also am gonna try to extend that to not only my students, but my colleagues and be like, you know, And we talk about it at our institution as like a presupposition of goodness, right? This idea that like people are trying their best and I need to come into every circumstance in online teaching with that mentality because otherwise I find myself and I'm, I'm saying this as though I can do this all the time. There are many times where I'm coming into like a meeting or something and not having that perspective and I'm leaving it in a much darker place than when I entered because I'm I become cynical I become frustrated I become angry where you know I'm wanting to say well in a normal class situation I could just do this this way but now I'm having to spend 5 hours doing it very differently and I'm not even getting the same payoff that I would get there so I've got to have that sense of humor that sense of levity that humility to just say We're doing our best, you know, and I'm trying my best. I don't think I'm harming anyone. And in fact, I think at its best, it's actually going okay. You know, so I need to just have that faith that that's going okay. So I love that
0: bar you said for yourself. I'm not hurting anybody in this whole process. So (laughs) I mean, yeah,
1: that's the bar. That's I think if we were to make shirts for our show, that's the bar.
0: (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) I'm not hurting anyone. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, but what about you? That's uh, that would be probably my second one. It's just, again, humility, grace, a sense of humor, just going about this as though it's going to pass. This isn't forever. You know, we want to just do the do the best we can while we're here.
0: So we as teachers have such an incredible luxury in this job. Uh, we are. I just imagine, you know, I, I have we have neighbors, and you know, I see them sitting at their kitchen table doing their work on their computer day after day, sitting in the same spot. And they may have these jobs that I'm sure they find satisfying and may be enriching for them, and that's great. That's totally cool. But we have an amazing, amazing job that allows us to actually connect with people, right? And um, there are usually twenty five to twenty eight adolescents on the other end who are kind of a little bit down because I teach seniors. This is their senior year and they're sitting in their home. So part of what keeps me mentally healthy is just realizing that every day I get to, in some small pitiful way, to make their life just a tad bit better. I have the opportunity to do that, um, which is is just incredibly enriching. I mean, the fact that, that I have that opportunity. Uh, so that's one of the ways that, that I think I'm able to get up every day because I'm realizing, you know, there's 25 kids that are gonna show up at eight o'clock and they're probably a little bit, uh, not only tired, but depressed. And I'm using that term very loosely again, not in a clinical way. Um, and I think th- just looking at it as an opportunity for me to actually uh, bring a certain amount of not only education, but also some kind of excitement and energy. So I also kind of tend to view this whole thing as a performance. I mean, teaching really is a performance, it is, it always is, even in person, uh, but the, the challenge of doing this digitally is always a little bit different, and this is also speaks to your sense of novelty. I think it helps my mental health to view engaging my students through the computer in an engaging way. That, that's a challenge. And I think we all need challenges in order to kind of uh, just bide our time in a situation like this. So uh, let me summarize. It seemed like I jumped around a lot in that one. So I think the idea that um, I I try to find a sense of meaning and purpose on a daily basis in the fact that I get to not only be in performance with other students but also try to bring some kind of sense of, of meaning and purpose in their life, which again, that's very satisfying. It's very satisfying. If I can focus on that, it's very satisfying.
1: Well, and it, I think probably speaks a little bit to our personalities, that performative style of personality where we, I think, gain energy from that. And we gain feeling from that, whatever you wanna say, if we're, you know, um, gaining whatever kind of necessary ego boost, or whatever that might be. But I will say uh, one of my favorite moments from this week was uh, my camera like fell off the thing that was behind my whole structure. And it was just a disaster. And it was like two minutes before the class. And so I was using my normal computer camera and it was not good. Um, But I showed them, I was like, here's why you're seeing this other camera angle that is not good. And I showed them the other camera and it was like hanging sideways. So it was like kind of like up at me at this weird angle. And it was like the most, I don't know why for me but it was the most like um, energy giving, like joyful moment where I actually like saw them laughing on the other side of their screen and I'm used to, in a classroom, um, I tend to be fairly humorous. There tends to be some laughter in the classroom. And I haven't had that as much this year through Zoom because it feels like it's a lot of just like, here's some content, here's delivery. I'm definitely not as goofy, all that kind of stuff. Um, And it was a really joyful, wonderful little moment where, to your point, when you get those opportunities, I always am trying to kind of rise to that occasion of being like, I hope they leave being like, that wasn't terrible you know like like that was kind of nice like and therefore as we're talking about for their mental health and also for mine you want to return right it gives you something hopeful to look forward to and there's that moment of like you know maybe the funny camera thing will happen again or maybe someone will say kind of something funny in, in class and and I don't think this is necessarily just exclusive to online learning either right like in in just high school that's a big part of their world is like they need to get up and get going and and have another day in the classroom. And you and I, I think are of that shared mindset that we want to, you know, inspire is a lofty word there, but at least like make them happy to come to the classroom where they're there and they're like, yay, I don't dislike this experience. Um, and it doesn't mean we don't have high standards or we don't, you know, push them as hard as possible and all that kind of stuff. But it's just that, you know, there's an entertainment, there's a performative value to what we're doing here for sure.
0: And I don't know what the, where this came from or if this was even part of teaching. I think it was one of the things that uh, someone spoke to me about parenting, uh, which I, I, I think you'll see the connection here uh, regardless. But um, just the fact that, that a person appears to be excited when they see someone else and how that makes the other person feel. It was kind of his idea when my kids were young that I always wanted them to feel like, you know, that they were something of worth and value and that they saw that I was excited to see them on a regular basis. Cause I think that makes humans feel better. And I do think it's almost an moral obligation we have as teachers when we're, especially when we're online in a situation like this, where kids aren't really getting much emotional feedback to actually be excited to see them, right? Or to express that. And even if that is to a certain extent, performance art, um, it is something I think is incumbent upon us to do to help take care of not only our mo- om- mental health, but the mental health of our students. Mm-hmm. Um, students students should, should think that their teachers are excited to see them, right? I mean, I think that's, that's something that, that's a, like a basic rule that teachers should follow. And I've had teachers that very clearly are not excited to see their students. So I have no illusion that that's normal. Um, But I I think that helps my mental health and I know this is kind of piggybacking off what you just said, but it's also connected to my second one and that is that's that's satisfying right just to see that that is one of the goals that I have when I teach is I want my students to feel like I am excited to see them, because that gives them life.
1: Yeah, and and like you're saying some days. Uh, we know as teachers did not get to Pollyanna about this, right? Some days you're not excited to see them. Let's be real about that, right? But the important thing there is that we, I, I do think you kind of have to suck that up some days. And like some people will argue, well, you should be real with the students. You should be authentic. I, I disagree. I kind of think sometimes you just got to like, when they come in the classroom, you're doing a job and you got to be like, yeah, you're here I know this is difficult. I'm having a bad day. Now, of course, if something's horrific happening, maybe you just call in sick for that day. If you can't handle like being in the classroom on that day or whatever, um, you got to kind of give them your best, you know, and and hope that they find some joy in that moment. Because that's obviously and the cliche that we've all heard about teaching, right? Is that they really don't remember the content and it's about relationships and what they remember is how you treated them and what your experience was like in class. You know, where they finding challenge and joy and laughter and relationship in that class? Or were you, you know, the scariest person in the world? And they were like, I don't want to be here. I feel just, I don't feel good being here,
0: which we don't want. That's
1: not good for anyone's situation. I never really
0: bought that idea that you have to be authentically yourself in the classroom. I mean, if you're authentically someone who just doesn't like other people, you better not be in the classroom then, right? I mean, I I don't know. That just seems, um, (laughs) it seems like it's it's the kind of thing that you've chosen a profession where you're going to be with other individuals so if you're going to be authentically yourself your authentic self better be someone who's excited and and hence you're not always going to be excited so therefore you have to fake it sometimes i mean you do You're it's kind of your job to do that so i don't know i mean maybe i misunderstand you what they mean by being your authentic self i think but there's a certain pretense posing that is necessary in any time you're in a position in front of a bunch of young people. Because you're yeah, not gonna come in and say, hey, God, I'm in a bad mood, everybody. Don't cross me. Let me tell you, my family is having a tough time right now. I mean, you don't, you don't do that. It may be authentic, but I just don't think that's a place of teachers to be able to share your authentic self with them. No,
1: I'm, I'm on the same page with you. I, I can't wait for us to get all the feedback in the comments on this one You know about how you know we're just these fake teachers man we're just totally fake but i i agree i think you know and it's like any business right you you don't go into like i don't know maybe we're getting tangential here but you, you don't go into the banker's office and they're like i'm having a hell of a day you know you can't have this loan you know it's like they do their job we're professionals right and we often teachers are often griping about we're not being treated like professionals it's like well then you know you have to be professional to be treated like a professional and And I'm sure everyone who listens to our podcast is just like us. No doubt. A hundred percent. No doubt. Always always professional. So Mark, now we've somehow devolved into having a list here of one, two, and three. Do you have a third point here of wisdom for this uh, topic of kind of maintaining and uh, trying to exist within a scope of decent mental
0: health during a pandemic? Not a good one. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, no. So I, I'm sorry that that was that's kind of weird. So I think beyond, beyond what we've talked about, you know, it just seems so specific. And I know I've talked to other people about what they're doing these days. And of course, some people exercise, you know, some people read some people make sure that they I mean, everybody has this kind of routine that they kind of go through on a daily basis outside and away from work. And one of the things that I think I don't do well, and I think I probably need to do this. Well, I, I do, excuse me, better. Sorry about my um, English. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is um, I don't always create a clear separation between my job and uh, my non uh, job life, especially now, just because I teach in my basement, right? Um, and this is my life. And I know we've talked about in an earlier podcast about the fact that at least I go upstairs and that's why I don't work. Uh, but You know, I love teaching what I teach because I love the material. I mean, I teach government and I teach politics and I teach international studies and that's what I'm authentically interested in. So frequently I'm not teaching, if I'm reading, I'm reading something related to what I'm going to be teaching, right? So I don't always create a clear line of demarcation between my job and my uh, uh, non-job life. I mean, the trite thing you're supposed to say, of course, is to have a work-life balance. It's really hard to do that these days, right? Because what are you going to do? You can't. There's you can't go. You're not supposed to travel. So, I mean, having a relationship with your family. Everybody is kind of, to a certain extent, sick of their family at this point in time. I'm sure my family is sick of me. So, um, I think it's it's hard. I, I'm viewing this time as a as an opportunity to delve deep into my content. You know, I have more time to read. I have more time to um, spend time, kind of, doing some. Some ideas in the future about what I want to do with my classes and content and things like that. So, uh, in other words, what is my third? I guess my third is supposed to be something like have a clear separation between your work and your personal life and maintain that sense of health. But that's not what I'm doing. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm usually using this time. I think really to to, to um, take advantage of the the things I want to read that are related to my to my job, which I guess. I mean, again, this is a trite you know, cliche aphorism, but you know, you, you, you need to do what you authentically love to do. And because I love to think and contemplate and read about these ideas that are related tangentially to my job, that's what I do. Right.
1: So here, let me push your, your point there, though, a little bit. Now, I think the work life balance, hundred percent, like so much of what we do outside of our work informs what we do within our work right so even if i'm not reading things about you know english language and composition or journalism specifically i'm going to come across an article and one of my first thoughts is going to be oh this could be interesting in how i might use this in my classes or a certain topic how could this relate to my students for sure but i think one important part that um i'd be curious about your perception on is um What about things like, you know, the work-life balance realities of email? Like, let's say a student last night, for instance, for me, emailed me at 9 p.m. And I got it on my phone because it's on my phone. And they said, could you meet tomorrow morning before school, school, quote, unquote, uh, for a conference, a writing conference? And they're emailing me at 9 p.m. So in their mind, I'm going to respond between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m., and say like, yes, of course, let's have a writing conference at whatever time, 7 a.m. So that kind of work life balance though, are you maintaining that or what's your thought on that?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good distinction to make. And when I talk about uh, doing things that are related to my job, it's not sitting at my computer at my desk responding to emails or doing planning for the next day until the wee hours of the morning, right? I know some people are having to do that just in terms of preparation. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I guess I I am implying a work-life separation because I don't, I mean, if if I get a student emailing me at nine o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night or something like it, generally I'll respond in the morning um, just because, you know, you do need that kind of separation. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I guess I am I am talking about a different kind of of work-life separation, right? I'm talking about doing what you authentically love, and you have to kind of take advantage of this time we have in order to do those things you've always wanted to do. And for me, it's reading certain books, or it's exploring certain ideas and topics. So, yeah, I do. And I don't even know what our school's policy is on that. I know we're supposed to respond to emails in 24 hours.
1: um, I remember it. Sorry to cut you off there. I I remember it being like there was a 9 p.m. rule that you couldn't you weren't you like literally weren't allowed to respond after 9 p.m. uh for things which I think is that's good again when we're talking about uh work-life balance which I think is often uh coupled with mental health and teacher mental health work-life balance is so important that I'm glad they would put in uh you know a rule like that um and therefore that's usually my response um is I want to say after a certain point I'm not going to respond now last night um a student emailed me at 6 p.m. And I'm in grad school at 6 p.m. at my computer, at my email. And I made the choice that it's easier for me to just respond to that email while I'm in grad school, while I'm at my computer, then wait till the next morning. Because the problem, that's what you though, want your students to do. You'd want them to respond to an email while they're in your class? Yeah, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I assume that's the best thing they'd be doing during my class. My favorite, still, this is this is off point, but our listeners will love it. My favorite thing today is I'm teaching photography, and they share their screen with me so I can see their Photoshop, and um, I, I just see all the apps that are open during oh, photography right. class, and it's just <laughs> it's just perfect. I'm like, yeah, they're just playing a lot of games during. During class online classes where the teacher assumes they're just totally riveted by, I'm sure that whatever
0: lecture in whatever
1: class. Um...
0: I just love those bold students who will actually sit there and they're they're on camera. I'm sure they know they do, but you can see the top of their phone and they're just sitting there staring at their phone as I mean that's that's bold, that's bold. Yeah. Maybe you teachers out there who you know run a tight ship that never happens to you, but um, I, I have a feeling they just keep it below their camera or something.
1: No, and that's So that's another point to this topic we're bringing up right now is like, to what extent do you discipline that? Yeah. You know, because at the same time, it's like, to what extent do you know what's going on in their world and what's happening with their circumstances that like, we're talking all about mental health here. It's like, maybe they're having a thing going on and like... Yeah. Frankly, your online class might not be the thing that they're really concerned about in that moment. And if they were, maybe they'd be really laser locked on it. I don't know. Maybe that's too soft of me. But I've started to i have started to give up a little bit more than I think I had in the past where I'd be like, Susie, I don't see you down there like perfectly on screen. You know, like I'm kind of like, you know, it's 8 a.m. on a Thursday.
0: I do wonder exactly just uh, how this is going to impact the that the tolerance that teachers generally have towards students, I mean, I'm just viewing this as just, I'm just trying to get through this with students, right? You're just trying to provide them with a sense of structure and some kind of purpose. And I think I'm providing them with an okay education, but you know, whatever's gonna get you to the end of this thing, that's totally cool. I do wonder how much of that's gonna carry over. Cause I remember when I first started our school in specific, um, it was a very disciplined place, very disciplined place which there are certainly benefits to that, but I imagine um, there's gonna be some habits of, of education and students being involved in their classes that may carry over into in-person that um, some people may not be happy with.
1: Yeah, I don't know. And I think that's a different topic, otherwise I would, yeah, I would talk endlessly on that topic. That's yeah. a really interesting one to me. Um, the what last...
0: You have another one? Do you have another one that uh, helps you kind of keep your mental health? I don't think so. I, I think it's
1: kind of what you alluded to. And I don't think it's necessarily a fair one that any like everyone can necessarily connect with. So but all I would say is um, not only, of course, having uh, supportive structures in your home or within your community, whatever that means, like the people that you can like rant to about this thing that we're doing right now, this kind of thing, right, where we can do a podcast and talk and, and, and let out some of these like thoughts and feelings. I think those are so important, but I'd also say having something that's absolutely disconnected from this is critical. So if that's like, you're into baking, you're into like, I love obviously my woodworking. Um, I also just like watching football. Like I'm obsessed with my Buffalo Bills. I'm obsessed with sports. You know, I I love that kind of stuff. And just having something where you can just totally disconnect. Cause I think otherwise, one of the things we're talking about and alluding to with this work-life balance is it can feel consuming, you know, you can walk by that computer every night or every afternoon and be like, you know, I could just check a few emails, I could get a few of these things knocked out. And if you don't have that dedicated time to say like, nope, I'm dropping everything, I'm going for a walk, or I'm going to like hike, because some people like that kind of outdoorsy stuff, you know, I think you gotta have that. I think that's absolutely critical. And you have to like, allow yourself the time to do it. You have to like, forgive yourself of like that stack of or in this case, that inbox or files or whatever it is that are saying, we need to be graded, we need to be responded to, you got to forgive yourself of that and just go, just get out a little bit.
0: I do want to acknowledge the, the reality of so many teachers out there that, that they have such a different experience than we have right now. You and I both have the luxury of not having you know young children around that um, forces our, that, that require our constant attention. So that our job doesn't come down just trying to cram every last little detail into the hour or two you have after the kids go to bed, but before.